It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's mailbag time, questions about the bench, Gordon Hayward's mustache, and even a couple of personal questions here on a Tuesday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Hey, John Corrales here, MassLive.com, Boston Celtics beat reporter, saying thank you once again for making this show part of your daily routine. Here for you Monday through Friday, Celtics with an off day on Monday in the bubble, preparing for this Tuesday afternoon game against, or early evening game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Without the Celtics playing, and with me being torn in 10 different directions, uh, not able to get a guest, maybe have a little bit more in-depth conversation. I said, hey, why don't I answer some questions? Put out a call for a mailbag, and you all responded. Segments one, two, and three, all about the mailbag questions. We're all over the place. Let's just dive right into it because there are a lot. And there are a lot of questions about the bench, the rotations. So let's start with this. At Travis Rorig on Twitter uh, what do you think about the connection between Marcus Smart and Time Lord? They seem to have a great pick-and-roll connection. What are your thoughts? I agree, and when I a great way for me to plug my piece on Marcus Smart from a few weeks ago. Three questions from Marcus Smart. The second question was, what about him having a pick-and-roll combination, a pick-and-roll partner like Robert Williams? If Robert Williams can get on the floor – Marcus Smart is the team's best or second best passer. It's him and Gordon Hayward, basically. And if he had this opportunity to have a guy with the that creates the vertical spacing that that Robert Williams does, he can a get all the way to the rim and have an opportunity for more layups because somebody the defender is con- really more concerned with Robert Williams. Or if the the defender steps up, he'll have a lob partner. I think that connection is great. I think Marcus Smart is. Uh, one of the smartest players around. He knows the game. He knows how to read a defense. The, the Really, Marcus Smart's only weakness is his emotions. But his IQ is off the charts. So having a, a basically like a kid with a toy in Robert Williams, I, I think that connection is, is great. And I think they work very, very well together. I like them on the floor. Uh, he also asks, Romeo has had a sim- similar rookie campaign to Jalen Brown. What do you think he needs to improve to make the second-year leap like JB? Well, I mean, is it a cop-out to say a little bit of everything? He's he's defending well. Let's see him defend better. Uh, the jumper, I think, is going to be something that he needs to continue to work on and hone. That's certainly something that is uh, a, a long-term project. We we'll want to see that be more consistent. And then I want to see him become a, the playmaking seeing the floor. It's all about just that incremental progression. So I don't want to say there's any one particular thing. He does a lot of things that you can see. So 
you know, get that shot down. The playmaking might be the biggest one. His ability to off the dribble, create, see things, get guys open, uh, create some some space uh, with the jumper, create some, pull some uh, defenders over with his gravity. It'd be interesting. You talk about him as a similar rookie campaign to JB. My most interesting thing here, and I'll talk about Gordon Hayward in a minute. If Gordon Hayward opts in and Romeo Langford progresses and starts to do a lot of the things that, that Gordon Hayward can do, I wonder, I just wonder a year from now, if we're not having the conversation that like, I might say something like, obviously Romeo Langford is not Gordon Hayward, but Romeo Langford on his rookie deal versus Gordon Hayward paying, getting paid whatever he's getting paid, considering the money that's being doled out around the Celtics right now, maybe, maybe that could be a discussion. Maybe that could be a discussion. So just let's see how he progresses. I don't think you can have too much talent on a team if it's in the right places. So, but his the the things that he can do remind me more of a guy with a ceiling of a Gordon Hayward than Jalen Brown. Just the way he plays his game. That's just me. Uh, Damian Olchowski on Instagram. Sorry if I got that name. Wrong. Another Romeo question. Do you see Romeo getting substantial minutes in the playoffs like Grant has the potential to get? And what would you like to see out of each of the rookies plus the Time Lord coming into next season? I don't see either Romeo or Grant getting the substantial minutes unless... Now, when Gordon Hayward goes to uh, be with his wife when they have a kid, there might be an opportunity, but I don't think Brad Stevens is going to trust a rookie to pick up a lot of those minutes. I just don't see that. Uh, I don't just don't see that possibility. Grant has a better chance because he can do a lot of different things. He knows his role and he does the dirty work. So I think Grant has the opportunity to do more of that. I just don't think Romeo is in a position to, to get that kind of opportunity unless it's an emergency. So I'll just leave it at that. I, I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about, Romeo in the playoffs. I just don't see him as part of the rotation. At DG Smithward uh, on Twitter, do you think Smart Wanamaker Time Lord is going to make up an eight-man playoff rotation? Oh, oh, let me go back to Damien's last question. Sorry about what I want to see out of each of the rookies. Uh, Grant Williams needs to improve his shot for sure. Like his, he he needs to spend his summer just honing that three-point shot down. Everything else he's going to do. Is, is fine, um, but get that three-point shot down. Carson Edwards, if he's going to have a chance, he's going to have to figure out how to get hot quick. He's not going to be able to shoot his way into things. Uh, let's see, who else? Romeo Langford, I've already talked about. Tremont Waters, I want to see him cut down the turnovers. He's got a great feel for the game. I think sometimes he gets a little too, maybe he has a little too much confidence. I think maybe just a little bit more control, cut those turnovers down. And Time Lord, fundamentals, baby. Get those fundamentals down. I think when he's at his best, we saw him defending, being able to defend the paint, defend the rim by getting low, getting wide, and preventing players from even getting close to the hoop. You can really defend the rim without even having to block a shot. So it's all about the fundamentals with him. 
Okay, back to DJ Smithward. DG Smithward. <laughs> Do you think the Smart Wanamaker Time Lord uh, combination is going to make up the eight man playoff rotation? Smart Wanamaker seems like it was uh, a new go to pairing for Stevens, but now they look great with Time Lord as a third rotation piece. Really like Smart and Wanamaker together. Wanamaker is going to be out of the rotation. I think he he's only going to play if Kemba Walker doesn't get a chance to play his full allotment of 35, 36, 38 minutes. I think you've got your starting five. You've got Marcus Smart as six. And then the eight-man rotation after that, like you, one of the bigs, it's going to be either Cantor or Robert Williams. And that may just depend on the matchup. It may, Or it might even be, depending on the game, a counter to a counter. You know what I mean? So I, I – I'm not going to say it's going to be one or both or the other, but it's smart, parentheses, big man, Cantor or Robert Williams. And I think Shimmy Ojale becomes the third uh, of the of that three guys off the bench because Brad Stevens can trust Shimmy Ojale. He's a much more consistent three-point shooter. He's You know what you're getting on defense. Obviously, he's very strong, but... He knows what he knows what he needs to do, and I think that's. I'd rather see Shemi on the floor. And this goes to the next question from Heel Carlito, who says, "I like our rookie slash bench bench guys. I've seen a good amount of people online complain about Shemi Ojale getting more minutes than rookies, Romeo Langford, not not getting enough minutes. What do you think? Would you rather have Shemi on the floor or guys like Romeo Carson, Grant in the season of the playoffs, regular season?" Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more of some of these guys. Romeo especially. Romeo's had this tough break from you know earlier this season. He, he just never had a chance because of all the injuries. He never had a chance to kind of catch on. So I'd, I'd rather see Shemi. I think Brad would rather see Shemi in the playoffs because you want the known entity. Little stretches of, okay, you, you say, hey, we need some shooting out there. Well... Carson Edwards can be a shooter, right? But Carson Edwards does a lot of things that are not great right now. And he hasn't shown anything that says he's an NBA player right now. I don't see how you can throw him into a playoff mix. Grant Williams, I've loved Grant Williams, and I'm not ready to throw him into a playoff mix. So I'd rather have the experienced guy. And at Guillotine Chop says, Brad sticking with building championships habits over the next two games while risking injury or do you think he's going to give big minutes to Shemi, Karsh, and Time Lord Grant or split the difference between the starters 15 to 20-ish minutes? So moving into the last couple of games here, um, I think this is where you're going to see Romeo, Carson, Grant. like that. You're going to see them a lot more. The way I see this going, against Memphis, I think starters, regular rotation, full go. Against the Wizards on Thursday at noon, Either no starters, limited starters. I think no starters would be my guess. Starters get the day off. Then you go hard, practice Friday, Saturday, give them Sunday off or as a walkthrough, just game plan, film, getting ready for the playoffs. And then game one of the playoffs, after the off day, you're fresh, you're ready to go. I think that's going to be the plan. So the Washington game, start Carson Edwards. I don't care. Nobody cares. You know, that, that'll be an opportunity for them to show out and see a, a little bit of what they can do 
So, um, but here, here's my, I just want to push back a little bit on this whole risking injury bit. If, if you think playing these guys in this quote unquote meaningless game in risking injury, there's always an injury risk. Then I don't think unless there's, um, unless there's somebody prone to injury, I'm not worried about that. I'm really not. You can't, you can't do that. I don't think you can worry about the injuries because there's always an injury risk. There was an injury risk when these guys played against Toronto and it was meaningless. There was an injury risk to all of these guys who were playing against Orlando. That was a meaningless game. How many of these games do these guys not play in because it's an injury risk? Just playing sports is an injury risk. Going out there. Me, old guy, shooting around out here at the court is an injury risk. Probably a heightened injury risk considering my age at this point. But you get my point. I think he's going to play against Memphis. I think that everybody should play at least like 30-something minutes. These guys need to be prepared for – they need to get their wind for that game one of the playoffs. Then you practice hard the day before the next game. So it's Tuesday night they play. I think they practice hard on that Wednesday. Then Thursday they're off. Friday, Saturday go hard. Sunday off or a walkthrough. Playoffs begin Monday. Done. I think that's how it's going to go. So I will leave that at that. There's a lot of questions here. So we're going to have to go back to those questions, the next group of questions, when we return here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Now I just talked about me going out there and playing ball. Uh, it does. You you can go out there and play, or you can sit all day if you want, or if you're working, whatever it is, you you can be whoever. But at some point, you're going to need some support to make it through the day. And I use CBD, and our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, recharge, whatever it is when life gets hectic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints. It's convenient, easy to use on a roller or a squeeze tube that you can share with other people. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you support you need, and I need for sure, where it matters most. To make it easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering you 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com with the promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked on NFL. 
They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. Rolling on with the questions here from Kids on New Blocks on Instagram. If the best five lineup with Smart can't work against big lineups, who gets left out in favor of Tice during crunch time? Can we really afford to leave Smart on the bench, or is it Hayward or Brown sitting? Let's look at that best five lineup for a second and say, I don't think it's necessarily the big lineups, but that it didn't work against Miami. And that's not a team. I think it's going to work against Bam out of bio is too fast. Marcus smart can defend bigs, but he can't defend all bigs. He can defend the big lumbering bigs. I could even see him against Brooke Lopez or any of these big guys, because he can get low. Marcus Smart can get low. He can get below these guys' center of gravity. He can keep them off balance. But when you've got a guy like Bam Adebayo, one of these really mobile bigs, P.J. Tucker, those guys are hard for Marcus Smart to guard because they are not only strong, they're lateral, they have the ability to spin, they have the ability to move different ways. So it's, it's like guarding a big guard. And that's it's too much. It's not that at that point the height difference. It, it's the advantage that Marcus Smart has in guarding a guy like Kristaps Porzingis. It's gone when you play these these bigs. So who sits in in favor of that? Well, in that case, maybe it is Smart who sits. It's also situational. Where are the Celtics up? Are they trying to come back? Are they trying to hold on to a lead? Who's playing well in that game? Who's not? I mean, maybe it's Kemba who sits because his defense is not particularly great and you need a point guard out there to run the offense capably, but you want to be able to switch. And if you're up five with a minute to go, maybe it's Marcus Smart in for Kemba. If you're down five with a minute to go, maybe you don't want Marcus Smart out there. Maybe it's just your regular starting lineup. So, there are situations. It's possible that Jalen or Gordon could sit in those situations. If I don't, I don't know what situation it might be. But if if they are trying to match up against maybe a smaller team and they need Smart's quickness, if they and, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head, which of these Eastern Conference teams has small, quick guards? That would need to be. I can't. I can't see that matchup happening. Maybe if, I'm thinking like Portland, but they're not going to see Portland. But if you needed to guard CJ and Dame, maybe you have Smart and I don't know. I I don't think you want Kemba out there. So I I think it's situational, but it may just be interchangeable point guards. Kemba might not be happy about sitting, but he may understand why he sits. Um, Tatum's not going to sit. I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to say one way or the other. It's just going to depend on what the matchup is. 
Beard Jam, at Beard Jam, James Beard. Now that Gordo is really clicking again, should Brad go back to considering certain matchups where Smart starts and Hayward plays six-man backup point facilitator? I like Gordo-Jalen pairings when he can attack more and Kemba Tatum pairings if we're only having two at a time. I I don't think he's going to mess with the starting lineup. The starting lineup works, and if you want to have Hayward with the bench, look, he's going to play like 38 minutes anyway. So why, why bring him off the bench? Start him, pull him out like they did against Orlando, pull him out early or have Marcus Smart come in for him and then have him run with the bench that way. I think that's the best way to do it. So I like I do like Hayward in that role though. I think Hayward can be really good in that role. Brad had had Jason Tatum coming back and he was thinking about, hey, Jason Tatum can be like the main focal point, but Jason Tatum creating just off the dribble on his own, not no. I I think Jason Tatum off the catch, on the move, making decisions that way. I like that better. I want Gordon Hayward with the ball in his hands. So I'd rather just just see Gordon coming out as the first sub and then coming back in that in that way. Um, at Patula Darling, mustachioed Hayward is clearly the most valuable Hayward. Is it possible to have a clause in his upcoming contract to make the mustache mandatory? Um, I think his wife may not like it. I think the mustache is gross, but Hey, if he's going to play the way he's playing here, then why not, uh, make it part of the, the next contract. (laughs) Let's, let's do it. It's almost like the anti Yankees facial hair necessary. And while we're here, might as well go to Ian McDonald who asks, (laughs) not even asks. He says, Coach Corrales, talk about Hayward and his player option, which you got me with the, I hate when reporters say, hey, talk about blah, 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 because I think you should ask a question. And if you're, and, and I, he brings this up because I dropped a talk about myself. I do it every once in a while. And when I do it, I cringe internally when I hear myself do it, and it's usually because I didn't quite either prepare or I was caught by surprise or someone else asked my question. A lot of times I have a question in my head, the guy before me asked a question, and I, I'm ready, I'm next. It's like, oh, shit, what do I ask? And she start to like, okay, um, how about this? So anyway, I dropped a talk about, and, and one of the reasons why I hate talk about is because it you're you're demanding from a player. Hey, I want to know. I want you to say words about uh, Gordon Hayward. Can you please talk about Gordon Hayward? Well, what what do you want? Talk about this part of Gordon Hayward. This 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 thing that he did. Okay. Um, I think it's just puts people in an awkward position. If you ask a question, they have to think about it, and you might actually get a a decent answer. But I will talk about his his player option, which is at $34 million, which on the surface, you'd say, of course, he's going to pick that up. And yeah, it's entirely possible. He's going to pick that up. But I think the future of the salary cap has a, an impact on this 
because he not only has to pick that up, but then he's going to be a free agent after that. And is he going to get four years? What's he going to get after those four years? Like what, what, what's the rest of his contract going to be like, like 34 million in one year? Yes, of course. It sounds like that's an insane number to turn down, but if you look at it over the next five years, the question is always, if you give up the $34 million, what kind of contract can you sign? And is that contract going to likely be more than what you would make over those five years if you chose to opt in and then play the market? That's always the question to me. So, yeah, you go for this $34 million, but I always say... Hey, you know, Gordon Hayward had that catastrophic injury. I I think he understands the fragility of a professional sports career. And yeah, you can get guaranteed $34 million. But if something happens again, that next contract isn't coming. If you can get yourself guaranteed $100 million, let's say, then that $100 million is coming. And that's all guaranteed. So I, I can see him thinking long-term, but I don't know what the actual answer is going to be because I don't know the cap dynamics anymore. I don't know what that cap is going to be like next year and the year after and the year after that. So 34 million is a lot of money to, to, to turn down. And it seems more likely than not that he will opt into that, pick up that player option. But if he feels like, and if the, the cap number for the future is low, then, then I think there's a definite discussion to be had between him and the Celtics about a longer-term deal because if no team's going to have cap space to sign him, then he's, he's not going to... It doesn't make sense for him to go into the open market because he's not going to be taking cap money away from Paul George or you know some of these other, you're looking at not only Giannis but Kawhi Paul George uh I think there's like three or four other guys that are going to be up for contracts Gordon's not going to take those the, the money from those guys he's not so if there's limited or even more limited cap space for those years moving forward then, okay, you take the $34 million, but then are you playing for mid-level exceptions? You're taking the full mid-level for the next five years? What does that get you? If the Celtics, and this is the other side of it, are the Celtics willing to pay him and go deep into the luxury tax, do they feel like keeping him makes them a championship team along with everybody else around them? And if they do, and they are willing, then sign him. And maybe you don't have to go for five years. Maybe you go for three years. And you say, look, in three years, you can see what the cap spike might be if there's another, if, if we figure this out. But for three years, we can give you, I don't know, 70 million, six, whatever it is. That's, that's guaranteed money. It's not 34 million for one year but it's guaranteed 60 to 70 million whatever it is for 3 years why not you know so it's hard to say what his desire is going to be and and all of the cap stuff so 
it's it's a gamble it's a gamble for sure on both sides and if you are gambling not with Gordon Hayward's career but with your own money then you might as well do it with my bookie because now sports are back and we've got a ton to bet on and that is enough to say hey let me figure out how to get online and start betting today my bookie has up to the minute odds on all of your favorite teams with the start of Major League Baseball here and the NBA going into the playoffs, there's never been a, a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Go ahead and check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows that you believe in your squad like betting on them right now. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means basketball, hockey, football, my bookie's already accepting bets on all of your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. That's a win right off the bat. And then they'll also toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code Locked On NBA when signing up. Promo code Locked On NBA. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Back to the questions and a lot of questions about the bigs at Smiley Jogger on Twitter wants to know one of the big criticisms of the Celtics has been their lack of a rim protector uh, slash big. Has that changed with the improvement of Tice, Time Lord and Cantor? Does Poirier have the same upside potential in the future? No, he does not. I thought he might, but as of right now, I've seen nothing out of Vincent Poirier that makes me think he has got a future in this league. Sorry, buddy. Go back to France. Enjoy your time in France. Uh, I love having him around. He's fun, but I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's at least NBA good. So the lack of a rim protector... For the Celtics, I don't think that has really impacted them quite as much because of the way the Celtics play their defense. Daniel Tice has been great. Anas Cantor is not good defensively. We knew that. It didn't matter what they did. Um, and But the improvement of Time Lord, absolutely, has a chance to change everything about the Celtics' second unit or the Celtics' bigs because if he can be fundamentally sound and he can go out there and give the Celtics... 20 good minutes, then that that changes the offense because they have that rim threat. It changes that defense because they have 
not just a guy who can work within the context of the Celtics rotations and defense, but he can actually be a shot blocker, that human eraser in the back. When there's a mistake, he can fix it. So uh, I think the biggest development here, the improvement of Tice's overall is the biggest development for the Celtics, but certainly the emergence of Robert Williams, if this is for real, if they can trust him in the playoffs, then that's great. Even if he makes future improvements and they can trust him next year, that would be huge. So uh, for on, uh, on Instagram, Oliver underscore P, who do you think will be getting more bench minutes once the playoff comes around, Cantor or Williams? I think it's matchup-based for sure. So if the Celtics play the Houston Rockets in the NBA Finals, Ennis Cantor shouldn't even be allowed in the building. You know, that's just don't even bother. Uh, but you play the Bucks, and, you know, maybe against second units you can – you can get him in there for a few minutes here and there. Uh, it just depends. It really depends on the matchup. So how things break, if the Celtics end up playing the Miami Heat in the first round, then I would rather go Robert Williams. If they if they end up playing Philly and Embiid is healthy, I know he turned his ankle, but if he's ready to go in that first round, then Cantor will probably get a fair share of minutes because you can't expect Robert Williams to defend uh, – Ennis Cantor in the post necessarily. So it, de- it definitely depends on the matchup. Shout out to Kim Fuego 90 on Instagram who asked, do you see Robert Williams getting meaningful minutes in the playoffs? I think it all just matters. Like I said, on the matchups at Zach underscore green on Instagram is Jalen Brown, the most underrated player in the league. Um, it, it's all relative. I, I think for some people, they'll say yes. It depends what what's your rating system. He's in that group for sure. Um, I think if I had to pick a guy, I might go with Shea Gilgis Alexander because he's in Oklahoma City. Not a lot of people are watching Oklahoma City, uh, even though they're in the bubble and they've been good. I think he's he's got like all-star potential and he's just there's there aren't a lot of people talking about him nationally so I think SGA has a real uh stake to that claim but Jalen Jalen's right there with him so most underrated one of the most underrated yeah sure he's in that mix Thomas King This is Jay King's brother. Shout out to Thomas King for knowing where to get real answers to podcast questions. And he asks, TJ Warren going for 50 has me thinking, which random guy in the bubble is most likely to go for 50? Can't be any high-level all-star type guys like when Tony Delk or Corey Brewer did it. He says he'll take Norm Powell. That's a fair choice. Uh, I'm thinking, like, guys in the bubble – with the potential to score big, I, I've settled on George Hill, who has average numbers, but is, I think, capable of scoring big points. Like his career high is 37. So 13 more points to 50 is not impossible. 
He hit six three pointers earlier this year. He's playing off of Giannis. They're gonna teams in, are, are packing the paint, keeping him from driving. I don't see any reason why George Hill can't get super hot from deep and have like one of those aberration games where all of a sudden everything's going in and because teams are so focused on Giannis that Hill goes out there and, and hits like 10 threes. And then, then who knows? Then you can find 20 other points somewhere. You never know. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with George Hill on this. Why not? Um, shout out once again to the better King for knowing where to go for his podcast content. All right. A few more personal questions before we wrap up here on this mailbag question at Boston sports. How long did it take for you to put your book together? Hey, did you know I wrote a book? It's called the Boston Celtics all-time all-stars, the best players at each position for the C's. Um, so this is unlike most books, not something that I did a lot of interviews for. Like most people when they write a book, they're interviewing a lot of people, but this was like my own internal debate. So I got the contract to do this book before I actually joined Mass Live. So that was a year, two years ago. 19. Yeah. So this is my second season. So about two years ago, I started working on it. You know, you work on it off and on during downtime, during the off season, you really start doing some of the research. Um, I have my ideas. You know, I got my list down. You compile your list. Then you start looking through the research. So, I mean, when you, when you figure out exactly how, how long I put it in, into this, I'd say, I don't know, six months worth of work off and on. Again, doing the research, trying to come down with the certain statistics. You kind of know, like if, you're really, if you really think about it, you can kind of know who the five starters might be. Although, I will say, teaser, I kind of fudged it a little bit. You'll see how I did it. But it's, I didn't, I wouldn't say fudged it. I took a liberty to make this work. And that's part of the decision-making process. So anyway, I'd say I, I worked on it calendar-wise the better part of almost two years. But in actual time, I'd say it probably took somewhere around six months. Ben Gates, at Gates Ben, a couple of questions here. If you had to enter the bubble, what three things would you have to take with you that you couldn't live without? This is, I, I, I can't think of too much. What am I always on? I'm on my phone. I need my phone. I'm, I'm a stupid phone addict. I'm always on, I'm on screens. So I need my phone, I need my laptop, and I need this recorder to do my podcasts. That's basically it. So I need my phone so I can play my little games when I have a few minutes and uh, constantly be scrolling through Twitter. I need my laptop to do a little bit of work and to edit the podcast. I need my recorder so I can record the podcast. Can't live without those three things. That's the best thing I can think of. He also asked, what are your initial thoughts on Tatum's signature shoe? Which I don't, I didn't, unless you saw something that I didn't, I haven't seen a new signature shoe 
for Tatum. Tatum is a Jordan brand guy now, and he's rocking the Jordan 34s. But he does have player-exclusive colorways. So he's released, I think his most recent one was called the Zoo. And it's got like a bunch of animal prints on it where it's like reminiscent of him taking Deuce to the zoo. I'm not a big fan of the look, but it's kind of cool. The story's cool. Um, I think the Jordan 34 is okay. Um, there's nothing special about it to me, but I haven't worn it. I There's nothing about it that makes me want to buy it necessarily, but there are a few guys who are wearing it, and Jason's, Jason's colorways are interesting. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it, but it's not, it's not a bad shoe. My, honestly, I think the new Zoom Freak 2 is, is pretty good. But So I hope that answers the question, but yeah. And then finally, Hate It or Levitt, great name on Instagram. What was your go-to post move in your playing days? So I love it. Um, I'm a big post play guy. I know that it's not part of the NBA or is not as much of part of the NBA as it used to be, but when I was playing in the post, it depended. How am I being defended? I love being on the left block. So the left block, if the guy is on my right hip, I just take one power dribble into the lane, right, righty jump hook. Kill him with the righty jump hook all day long. If you're trying to, if you're guarding me either straight up or on my right side, I'm going to power dribble, drop step, jump hook. If you're overplaying me on the left side, I'm just going to power dribble, just one power dribble, drop step, lay it up. Um, but then you have counters to how they play you. If you're playing me straight up in the behind, you can do almost like a Jack Sigma move which is a reverse pivot, and then you could clear yourself a few space for uh, some space for a jumper. But I really liked setting a guy up for either the drop step one way or the other. So the drop step would be the, the move, and I'm either going hard using the glass to lay it in or righty jump hook. What the righty jump hook sets up is the up and under. This is all Kevin McHale stuff. So power dribble, fake, Big up fake, guy jumps, just step through, lay it up. And same thing with the power strep, the, the, the power dribble, drop step. You can, you can take that, fake it, either draw the foul or spin and throw that little hook shot up. But that, that's, that was my bread and butter somewhere in there. You can use that power step, that power dribble, drop step. And if, if you get that positioning, then you can do anything. And if help came over, then the wraparound pass, and this is why I love interior passing so much, because if you know a double team is coming, if you can recognize that double team, then you can see who's open. If you can drop that wraparound pass to a guy in the other block, then that's an easy bucket. So that's my, that's my go-to stuff in the post. All right, a little bit of a longer podcast, but thanks, everybody, for sticking with it. I hope you've enjoyed it. You can always ask questions using the hashtag LOCeltics, and uh, I will try to get to them throughout the course of podcasting. If you're a new listener, please subscribe. You can follow on Spotify. I uh, really love to give you podcasts Monday through Friday, which is what we do here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Regular listeners, shouts to you. Thanks for sticking with this podcast through everything. 
please five star rating and good written review and I'll be on the Locked On NBA podcast on Wednesday so please subscribe to that thanks for listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.